There's no water, no electricity, not anything. Desperately needed humanitarian aid finally flows to Gaza as Israel prepares its troops for an imminent invasion. Plus, I really went quite deep into addiction. I do wish that there was more family treatment centers. Beating drug addiction, one BC woman's recovery success story and her newest challenge of keeping up with her three kids and... $300 is pretty steep. I don't think we would, we would do that. Sticker shock on the mountains. Reaction to the pricey lift passes in Whistler this upcoming season. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. World leaders are meeting for a two-day peace summit as tensions continue to rise between Israel and Hamas. Canada announced an extra $50 million in humanitarian aid at the summit, even as the foreign affairs minister announced the end of evacuation flights from Israel because of falling demand. Crystal Gomancing begins our coverage tonight from Jerusalem. For two weeks, Israel has pounded Gaza from the air. We are asking for you guys as the Canadian government to help us and hear us and take us out of Gaza and help us be safe. The sound of explosions could be heard as Global News spoke with Shatha Karaz, underscoring the desperate situation she and her family are trying to survive. This is my mother, this is my sister, my brother and my other sister. We are all holders of the Canadian passport. Me and my siblings were all born in Canada, and my mom has a Canadian citizenship. Koraz and her relatives are with many other foreign nationals at the border crossing to Egypt, hoping to escape. All crossings were closed after Israel declared war on Hamas, which governs the enclave following the deadly incursion by militants October 7th. There's no water, no electricity, not anything. The United Nations estimates 1.6 million people in Gaza are in critical need of humanitarian aid. Saturday morning saw the first deliveries of food, water and medicine in nearly two weeks. The World Food Program says in order to avert a catastrophe, they need continuous access. Each passing day brings more and more people in Gaza to be facing the risk of having to starve. And it's not just about the food, it's also about the water and it's about the medicine, and it's about all these essential needs. Palestinians and Israeli civilians are equal, and both must be protected. They deserve to live in peace and security, with dignity and without fear. Unlike the United States, Canada was invited to a peace summit hosted by Egypt. The foreign affairs minister announced more funding to support humanitarian efforts for those trapped in Gaza, but there was no mention about helping them get out. As of right now, we are waiting for our death time. We are always scared, bombs dropping here and there. Whenever Global News is able to connect with someone in Gaza, they all share similar fears, and many ask the same question. Who is going to help them? Crystal Gamansing, Global News, Jerusalem. <laughs> Israel's ground invasion of Gaza seems more imminent than ever, with the Israel Defense Force Chief of Staff telling his brigade Saturday, we are going into Gaza to destroy Hamas. And the air attack is intensifying. 
Israel's military spokesperson telling the people of Gaza, for your own safety, move southward. We will continue to attack in the area of Gaza City and increase attacks. Meanwhile, in Cairo, a peace summit is underway. 34 nations hoping to prevent a regional war. Canada is attending and on Saturday announced millions more in humanitarian assistance to the Gaza Strip and surrounding area. Canada is announcing $50 million more to support humanitarian partners, including UN agencies in the region, in order for them to be able to provide urgent and life-saving support. Noticeably absent from the talks, Israel. And I don't think they want to have a ceasefire, at least on the Israeli side, where there are still hostages being held by Hamas. Senior U.S. officials also absent from the summit. President Joe Biden already losing support for aid packages sent to Ukraine and is now asking for more money for aid and weapons to Israel. Biden is basically asking uh, the taxpayers to uh, accept the idea of uh, $100 billion on top of all the other uh, expenditures. In Europe, large pro-Palestine rallies were held in several cities on Saturday. An estimated 100,000 people marched through central London to the residence of British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, demanding an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. I'm here today to show my love and my compassion for the Palestinians who are suffering in Gaza. Similar protests were seen in Frankfurt, Berlin and Vienna. Pleased to consider the human toll of a violent conflict seemingly with no end in sight. Travis Prasad, Global News. And on the Sunshine Coast, a march for peace amid the growing conflict between Israel and Hamas. Dozens of people turned out to voice their objection to the violence rocking the region. The aim of the march is not about choosing sides, but rather coming together to speak up for all human rights. Organizers say political, political leaders need to do more to promote peace in the region and that the march is a small way to hold political leaders to account. Very, very positive here. People are glad to be able to stand up. They're glad to hear stories of hope. I have heard from people, both Jewish and Palestinian, who are afraid to come um, for their own reasons because they're afraid of, you know, recriminations. And... I respect that fear and I've done my best to assure them that, you know, we're going to have parade marshals. We're very much coming from a place of let's sorrow together. We have an update for you now about a young mother who's been fighting for months to get her family together. We first introduced you to the young mother back in May as she was overcoming addiction and giving birth to her third child. Now, as Julia Foy reports, she's making huge progress. Vancouver mom Joanne Monroe is kept busy with her three sons. Is that good? Yeah. And she wouldn't have it any other way. How great does it feel today? It feels really good today, yeah. Today is a, a big day. It's been 18 months almost to the day since they went into care. Monroe says her two boys were taken away when she was suffering from postpartum depression. Her life spiraled. I really went quite deep into addiction after that and was on the street my entire pregnancy with Alvin. Hi, welcome back. Oh my goodness. Oh. Baby Alvin was born at St. Paul's Hospital in the spring when Monroe was suffering from an addiction to meth and cocaine. Three months later, after care from a team of medical specialists, she got a chance at a fresh start. 
it's been a really positive story for us, and I hope we can encourage other people to come here. Monroe has been doing so well. On Saturday, she was finally reunited with four-year-old Sam and two-year-old Alex to live together with eight-month-old Elvin. We're very, very happy. Alex, please don't touch. Thank you. Good listening. But then we found a new place to stay. She credits the Union Gospel Mission with helping her support the family. They played a huge role in my life. We did the Moms and Babies Stabilization Program first, and now we're in their second stage housing program. We see that women in recovery, they do often lose custody of their children because of addiction becoming at the forefront of their life. And that can be so devastating to someone who's already struggling with addiction. <laughs> now she's looking forward towards the future with hope and excitement. We're going to have the best Christmas ever. I really don't know what we're doing for Christmas, but it's together, so it's going to be great. She can focus full time on her busy boys. That's all the time we have, folks. Julia Foy, Global News. A day of skiing at Whistler back home will be out of reach for many this winter as ticket prices increase once again. Like many other businesses, the company behind the resort is blaming inflation, among other factors. But as Alyssa Thiebaud reports, locals say they're being priced out of their backyard mountain. The village is quiet in fall, but Whistler's ski season is just a month away. And this year, it'll cost more than ever. A peak season one-day ticket purchased day of can cost almost $300 before tax. That's crazy. <laughs> That's nuts. One Reddit user laughed at the price tag, and there was disbelief in the village. I don't know how people can afford it. Yeah, it's pretty expensive. You can almost get a season's ticket price at Cyprus and stuff like that for that price. In 2020, the same ticket cost $189 before tax. Now, a lot of factors uh, go into the resort's lift ticket pricing. Um, that includes inflation, uh, capital investments in the guest experience, you know, visitation demand. And the cost of lift tickets typically increases every year across the industry. This year's price is comparable to other resorts owned by Vail. Beaver Creek in Colorado also costing up to $300 a day US. I'm from Calgary, so yeah. we have all our big mountains there too, and they're about 130, 140. Even like the crappier mountain, Nikisco, which is our closest, is 120 bucks a day now. But they sell seasons passes early season, early, early for 350 bucks. Whistler Blackcomb says passes offer the best value for money. Also, purchasing tickets in advance online. You know, the initial sticker shock is, is definitely, it's high, but there are ways to save on your experience on the mountain. Whistler's world-famous slopes attract thousands of people every year. It's likely this season will be no different, no matter how much it costs. Whistler in general is, uh, it's, it's a premium place to be, so there's premium prices involved, I guess. It's a busy place and it's a, it's a hot spot. People will pay for it, I guess. <laughs> the current long range forecast calls for a decent amount of snow and if everything goes to plan, the ski season will start here November 23rd. Alyssa Tebow, Global News, Whistler. After the break, another horse death at Hastings Racecourse. We're really seeing that there are serious welfare issues across this industry. The calls for changes from animal advocates and the counter-argument from the owners of some of those very animals. Plus, 
Speaking Out Against Soji, the Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity Resource Program, the rallies planned in BC and the counter-protest clashing once again. The Vancouver Humane Society is demanding changes at Hastings Racecourse after the deaths of eight horses this year. Paul Johnson reports. And three lengths from the back, skies a-blazing. You're watching the last race of the two-year-old filly, Sky is a-blazing. Seen here at the back of the pack recently at Hastings Racecourse. About halfway through, something goes wrong and the young horse is out of the race. Being pulled up out of the race now is Sky's a-blazing. That injury resulted in Sky's a-blazing having to be euthanized. One in a series of deaths that has activists demanding changes at the track. Skies Blazing suffered a complete open fracture to her leg, which is bone exposed. So it's, it's quite devastating to imagine the pain and the fear that these horses experience in the moments before their death. Chantelle Archambault is with the Vancouver Humane Society, who say it's been a bad year for horses at Hastings Racecourse, with eight horses dead this season, three of them having to be put down after getting injured in races. Those numbers triggered a small protest at the track this summer with calls to improve safety and the well-being of horses there. We represent the owners and trainers of all horses. David Milburn is president of the Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of BC. While he praises the work of the Humane Society in general, he thinks they're misguided on this one saying racehorses are already among the best cared for horses anywhere. And that if animal rights campaigners are upset when one dies, imagine how they feel. Safety is a number one priority. And the death of a horse is devastating to the barn that it comes from, to the groom that works on it, to the trainer, to the owner. The entire racing community feels the effect of fatality, of losing a horse. These horses are loved. Through the stretch for the first time, opening quarter as solid. While the Humane Society is calling on people to spend their entertainment dollars elsewhere, Milburn doesn't believe that's likely going to have much of a dent in their attendance, which he says has been fairly steady lately. While safety and humane treatment of horses requires constant innovation, he says it's no reason to end a tradition that's been going on in East Van for over 120 years now. Paul Johnson, Global News. Air Canada is apologizing after losing the wheelchair of Canada's first ever chief accessibility officer. Stephanie Cadeau posted on social media that she had her independence taken away from her from the airline after the airline forgot her wheelchair in Toronto. Air Canada says the wheelchair landed in Vancouver earlier this morning and is being delivered to Cadu. They add that they have apologized for the mishap and are investigating how staff left the wheelchair off the flight. The Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity Resource Program, or SOGI-123, was at the center of conflict again today in Kelowna. As Victoria Famia reports, a rally planned by people against the resource program was interrupted by a large group of people who support it. Two opposing sides, each with a different message. 
SOGI, otherwise known as Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity, an inclusivity program in schools, was at the center of debate again in Kelowna, as some believe it does not belong in the classroom. That's not the school's job to be teaching that. We went to school, you got taught biology and genetics. That's what you got taught, and that's what they should restrict themselves to. Anything else, that's the duty of the parents. The One Million March for Children was one of many across Canada on Saturday, with large groups of people protesting SOGI 123. However, in Kelowna, it was interrupted by counter-protesters who support the resource program. To show that, you know, this is the Kelowna that, that uh, really resonates for folks, um, is the folks in, in solidarity for the queer community today. According to the SOGI website, it's not its own curriculum, but one aspect of diversity that is embedded across a range of grades and subject areas. Its goal is to help students understand diversity in society. For too long, um, children who don't fit the binary categories have been excluded, have been marginalized, have been hurt, um, and it's very important to have a initiative in the schools that makes them know that they're welcome. However, those with the One Million March for Children say parents should have more control over what children are exposed to in school. Nobody cares for children more than their parents. Not everyone has great parents and like that's just a sad fact of life and there should be people your kids can talk to. The SOGI program is not new. It was implemented in BC schools in 2016. However, it's back in the spotlight with this protest being the third in Kelowna in just under a month. Victoria Famia, Global News, Kelowna. Still to come, mental health and war. I feel the most vulnerable uh, I've ever felt in my life. The trauma and emotional toll on our well-being and how it affects each person differently. Plus, shining bright for a good cause as construction of the annual Lights of Hope display at St. Paul's gets underway. A memorial was raised to remember missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls and two-spirit people in Prince Rupert. The pole stands three metres tall and was erected in a ceremony this morning at the Galloway Rapids. It was carved by renowned artist Mike D'Angeli and is the sister pole to one in Kitsum-Kalem, located about an hour away. In health news tonight, we're taking a look at the impact of war on our mental health. There is no easy way for the horrific conflict between Israel and Hamas to be explained. As Catherine Ward reports, understanding trauma under these circumstances is crucial as it may look very different from one person to the next. But first, a warning to our viewers, this report contains images that may be upsetting. Trauma distressing events, life-altering circumstances, and the fallout that pushes down on people with its emotional weight. People are being exposed to atrocities, war violence, conflict, and, and horrifying scenes. Experts sometimes use the analogy of a drop of water. Think about this idea of trauma having a ripple effect across society. It really can show up in multiple different places. For those in the conflict zone, day-to-day -day survival is paramount. I feel the most vulnerable uh, I've ever felt in my life. Post-traumatic stress disorder is a possible outcome. Being on guard, on edge, 
super aware of one's surroundings can convey some type of survival advantage. As the ripples extend, the trauma can look different. Our flight is, is canceled, um, but we're staying calm and we're confident that we'll get home. And uh, it's an unfortunate situation. Survivor's guilt is potentially something that many folks who experience traumatic events, especially those involving death, do experience. There is also the fear for loved ones and living in the unknown. We don't know what's going on. No one's talking to us. Uh, we can't get in talk, contact with anyone. Experts say offering appropriate support is key. Our hope would be that the families that are fleeing from the conflict in the Middle East right now are able to access some of these services once they arrive in host countries. The health impact also extends to those watching events unfold in media and online. The question of what if, and these sorts of things can lead to a sense of anxiety or depression. In the end, there are no easy answers. While the news is scary, while things are frightening, this is a time where we can use this as an opportunity to connect with one another, especially children, and socialize the value of love and kindness and goodness and caring and compassion towards one another. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. Coming up, firefighting boot camp. You're going to have to loosen off your helmet a little bit. The First Nations youth exploring firefighting as a career and how it's helping foster acceptance and belonging. First Nation youths from the North Shore are working with fire personnel to learn about fire safety and explore careers in fire service. Oh, we can practice. We'll build to that. Okay? You're not a first-time firefighter. Well, there you go. Yeah. The Youth Firefighter Boot Camp was put together by the First Nations Emergency Services Society. Organizers say they hope the camp helps First Nations youth foster a sense of belonging. It's an opportunity to get out of their comfort zones and, and to try something new. And, and, you know, we're always looking for First Nations uh, in the fire departments. If it's in your village or if it's in a big city, you know, uh, we just want to promote fire safety with these youth and, and give them give them some pride and and show them that they can do anything that they want confidence i think you know nobody's shy around here everybody's like they feel safe and they feel like we can all come together and just work together the boot camp will last through until sunday afternoon and given the wildfire season that we've had we're going to need them a lot sooner. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joining us now. Yvonne, welcome back. And it was a cloudy one today. Yeah, it was a bit cloudy. Thanks so much, Krista. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we are actually seeing the potential slight chance for some showers rolling in uh, this evening. We are seeing some spotty and isolated ones. That's just across the island at this hour. And we'll continue to track it, but we've got some breaks on the way as we look ahead towards our Sunday and round off the weekend as well. But much of the southern half of the province, even extending into the southeastern corners, we are going to be seeing a little bit of instability. And just to the south of us, we're actually seeing a few lightning strikes in the mix as well. Now, here's a quick snap 
snapshot of what we're anticipating. We've got cloud cover for Sunday morning. By the afternoon, though, we've got some breaks in there. Temperatures will be up to 12 and 13 degrees and away from the water, closer to 16 degrees. Wanted to show the temperature trend, though, in the coming days. It is going to drop off. A change on the way when we look ahead towards Tuesday, Wednesday, with the return for some wet weather in the mix. And for higher elevations, especially if you're traveling along the mountain passes, we are looking at the potential for some snow, especially for the early morning hours. And that'll take us for Tuesday night leading in towards our Wednesday. So stay tuned. But through the latter half of the weekend, we're still seeing temperatures into the mid-teens and then it is going to drop off. And we've got this cooler air that's going to be ushering in right across the province. Now, the northeastern corners, also some flurries in the mix overnight. Breaks will be on the way towards the afternoon. But the peace, a cooler day tomorrow with temperatures just getting up to minus three. Along the north coast, though, a clearing is on the way. Highs will bump up to eight degrees. The southeastern corners of the province, I've left in that chance for some showers. A fair bit of cloud cover will be in the mix. Thompson, Okanagan, more breaks towards the afternoon. Kamloops will be up to 15 degrees. Very similar for Whistler as well. We'll have some sunshine with highs closer to 13. Across the island, morning cloud cover, similar for the lower mainland. By the afternoon, we'll have some breaks. Highs tomorrow will be up to 12. We will see a few isolated showers. A bit of a transition will start to kick in on Monday. But that next weather maker that is bringing rain with cooler temperatures will move in for Tuesday. It'll be very wet and windy and for our Wednesday quite similar, easing off to showers once again. Krista? All right, thanks, Yvonne. A bit of a mixed bag there. Well, construction for the annual Lights of Hope got underway this morning, adding a touch of sparkle to St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver. You see where the, the, the pipe is, right? And then... More than 100 volunteers getting to work this morning, figuring out where each of the 230 stars goes on the front of the building. This is a six-week project and will be unveiled to the public on November 23rd. It's also a major fundraising event for the St. Paul's Foundation and for some volunteers, helping out really hits home. One of my high school buddies uh, had substance issues, ended up living homeless on the streets, and eventually contracted HIV. In his last days, St. Paul's Hospital went a long ways to making him feel comfortable and seeing past the stigma of uh, substance abuse and, and homelessness. And they treated him as if he were family. The fundraising campaign hopes to raise $3.6 million this year to save lives and improve critical medical care for BC patients. It is kind of incredible the amount of production that really goes into getting that together. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful site. It's nice to have it down there. Yeah. Beautiful site, maybe a win for the Canucks? Eh? Yeah, well, they're uh, <laughs> hanging on by their fingernails right now. Yeah, they were, uh, had a great first couple of periods in Florida, but it's uh, tied late. So we'll Show you all the up-to-date highlights we can when I come back. Connor Bedard's playing his home opener for the Blackhawks, and guess what he did? What he always does, he scores. The kid loves the spotlights. We'll show you that. It was a very uh, typical Connor Bedard uh, wrister that we'll show you for that. So that was great to see. The Whitecaps are on the field right now trying to secure home field advantage in their, for the playoffs in their final regular season game. And we have to look back at the Lions last night, unfortunately, too. They played horribly, uh, but at least it didn't cost them. But uh, they know now who they'll play in the playoffs, though, so we'll tell you that coming up.
Oh. Other than that, not a whole lot going on. Did I empty the chambers there a little yeah. bit? And I have more than that. Save some for I do. Sports. I got yes. everything. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Barry. Well, still ahead, making learning more inclusive and accessible. How Variety is helping ease pressures in the education system and why your donation is still urgently needed. The demand for educational assistance greater than ever in B.C. Some students aren't receiving the full support they need. That's where Variety steps in helping to fill the gap and easing the pressures the education system is under. Variety established the Variety Schools Grant Program as a way to make learning more inclusive and accessible for all students. Students at Greater Heights Learning Academy in Coquitlam received a new disc swing this year thanks to Variety Schools Grants Program. The Variety Schools Grant Program matches school applications for inclusive and accessible upgrades up to $10,000. The districts are great because they can accommodate different kinds of students with different special needs. So it's a really nice adaptive swing because a regular swing wouldn't work for a lot of our students. There's a student who is new to the school this year, um, and in the past when she's had feelings of anxiety, one of her um, tendencies is to leave the school grounds. Um, and for her to have access to the swing outside, she's been able to go and just safely use that, have the break that she needs, and then come back and continue learning. So for her, it's been a fantastic tool. So a lot of the things, the big ticket items that we just wouldn't have access to otherwise, like the swing, um, just wouldn't happen without the support of Variety. Ecole Berstow in Vernon also received Variety Schools grants this year to have stationary bikes in nearly all of their classrooms. They are available to any student at any time and are both a hit with students and teachers. Because um, I'm always really fidgety and I love to move around, I love to get my legs going. Um, but not a lot of things, that, not a lot of times you can do that except for like recess or something like that. So this is what I tend to use a lot. I've personally seen students really get in the zone as soon as they get on the bike, where they'll be working on something kind of distracted, but as soon as they're on the bike, they get on task and they start working very efficiently. But the stationary bikes weren't the only classroom additions this year, thanks to the Variety Schools grant. It's called a stand-up desk, and it's normally used around the classrooms here. Um, I quite like to use it a lot after I'm sitting down for a while. I'm fairly active, so my, I don't like sitting for a long time, so I quite enjoy using this desk. So it's like a ripple effect, right? When we have, uh, like you have one desk, but then Variety gives us the, um, the funds for 12 desks. That becomes an impact on the kids in that classroom and the teachers in that classroom. and. Um, just makes learning better for that and then these kids learn better in that environment and then they can go on to do bigger and better things too outside of school. And your donations to Variety will help ensure they can help transform schools into more inclusive and accessible learning environments. Please go online to variety.bc.ca or text the word kids to 45678.
45678 for an automatic $25 donation to Variety. And thanks to our viewers and donors from across BC, Variety will be able to help 584 kids. The goal, though, is 600 kids. So please, if you haven't donated yet, consider doing so now. And be sure to tune in to Monday's News Hour at 6 for the total dollar amount raised. Well, still ahead, Canucks in the Sunshine State looking to bounce back with a win against the Panthers after two straight losses. Very Delay is here with your sports highlights next. Help build a brighter future for ALS patients and their families. Support Project HOPE, an ALS Society of BC initiative which embarks on a journey of unprecedented hope for ALS research at UBC led by Dr. Pyro. Donate at projecthopealsbc.ca. We can all play a role to beat stroke. Join the global Greater Than Stroke online movement on World Stroke Day on October 29th. Visit heartandstroke.ca to learn the signs, the risk, and how to prevent stroke. Our BC is brought to you by Return It Express. Got empty drink containers? Don't trash them. Make sure to hold on to them until you can return it for recycling. Well, sports now with Barry Delay and Barry Canucks. We're looking for a win with hoping for some sunshine in the sunshine Yeah, state. it's been a while since they've won against a Florida mm -hmm. team. Apparently something like uh, nine games. Uh, they haven't won down there. So oh, great. I guess they're doing other things, but it's hard <laughs> to win when you're by the pool. No, they don't do that, but it's been a tough stretch. All right, thanks, Krista. The uh, Canucks are just actually finishing up game four of their five-game road trip uh, right now in Florida against the Panthers. Vancouver got a boost today when Ilya Mikheyev was finally given the go-ahead to return to action after ACL surgery last January. His speed, his penalty-killing prowess, and his ability to score can only help the Canucks going forward. He makes them better. There's Mikheyev, first game since January 27th, about nine months ago, played with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. There's former Vancouver Giant Justin Surtup, just his third NHL game for the Panthers. Canucks were shorthanded, but Bobrovsky giveaway leads to a great chance for Phil DiGiuseppe, but Bobrovsky makes up for the mistake. Canucks on the power play, and they had great pressure. Quinn Hughes says he wants to score more this year. Screen Rister finds the net for his first of the year. Pedersen providing the screen. Bobrovsky wanted interference, but the goal stands. The lead, though, lasted 20 seconds. Panthers captain Alex Barkov with the deke on uh, Casey DeSmith, uh, and that actually went off the post and then in. 1-1 one, one after one second period. Canucks power play, nice puck movement. Pedersen to JT Miller, one-timer, but... Kuzmenko can't pop the rebound, but then the second unit strikes. Carson Soucy sees some room, just walks right in and fires it. Stick side on Bobrovsky. Great shot. First goal as a Canuck for Soucy. 2-1 Vancouver, and then a minute later, Kuzmenko playing his best game of the year with a really nice setup for Elias Pedersen. Spinning around, backhand pass, and Pedersen roofs the wrister. His second goal, 10th point already in five games for Pedersen. 3-1 Canucks in a solid period, not allowing the Panthers many good chances. Third period, Canucks on the rush. Kuzmenko to Mark Friedman to Mikheyev, but stopped by Bobrovsky. But Mikheyev looked good in his first game. Former Canuck Oliver ekman Larson. Getting a lot of ice time in uh, Florida with some uh, injuries to some of their key defensemen. But DeSmith with the save. Solid again tonight. But then Florida really puts the pedal down. Sam Reinhardt on the rebound. The West Van product. DeSmith would have liked that rebound back 3-2. And then Reinhardt is back for more. 
as uh, he will tie it from the doorstep and Florida out shooting the Canucks 16 to 2. Boy, there's been some times the Canucks were getting overwhelmed, but unlike the other day in Tampa, the Canucks stem the tide and look at that move by uh, Andre Kuzmenko and that ends up being the game winner. Brock Besser did give them a little bit of uh, breathing room with this empty netter. That's his sixth goal already this year and the Canucks got themselves a win in Florida. 5-3 the final conclude the trip Tuesday in Nashville. Well, some sad news to report. Former Canucks goalie Dunk Wilson has passed away at the age of 75. Wilson passed away in Honduras, where he had been living the past number of years. Wilson recorded the first ever shutout for a Canucks goalie back on October 27, 1971, in a scoreless tie versus the Maple Leafs. Wilson was also known for great goalie masks, including this one with the Canucks in 1978-79. He played 148 games for Vancouver over four seasons. Connor Bedard playing his home opener for the Blackhawks tonight. Huge ovation for the 18-year-old. Another tough matchup against the defending cup champion Vegas Golden Knights who are 5-0. But Bedard, these kids love the big stage and he's done it at all levels. 90 seconds in, snipes his first home goal past Aiden Hill. Classic wrister from Bedard that just lights up the United Center. His parents on hand again to watch that special moment. And we can update the score. It's 2-2 right now in the second. Well, the Whitecaps will know exactly who they play uh, just a little bit after 8 o'clock tonight. Vancouver can finish anywhere from 3rd to 6th place in the MLS West. If they can get into the top four, they would have home field advantage in the best of three opening round. For that to happen, they have to beat LAFC tonight and then get a bit of help on the out-of-town scoreboard. Whitecaps getting uh, it underway with the big crowd at BC Place, some 23,000. Whitecaps rested after a week-long break, and Vanny's smiling because he just signed a two-year contract extension. They announced that just after kickoff tonight. Now, early, Ryan Gauld awarded a penalty kick, but the former Whitecap keeper, Max Crapeau, with the save. That's the first miss ever for Gauld as a Whitecap. He was 10 for 10 from the spot before that scoreless late first half at BC Place. Well, the odds of the Lions uh, finishing first in the West were long at best, but after playing maybe their worst game of the season last night, they will in fact finish second and host the West semifinal two weeks from today. And there's a good chance it'll be against the Stampeders, who thumped the Lions 41-16 last night to keep their playoff hopes alive and certainly put some doubt in the Lions' mind. But at the same time, if you're going to stink out the joint, at least do it before the playoffs when you get a chance for redemption. I wanted to win the game. I thought we. I thought, like I said, though we we they played well. I always give credit to the other team. We did some self-inflicted things where the game's easily like a tie game at halftime, and we wanted to go to go win the game. And um, I, I'm at, I I like VA. That was has not, was nothing to do with his performance. It was me as a coach when we got behind. I just didn't want him having to battle back from behind. And also it's a function of Dane Evans is a really good quarterback too. So I didn't view it as like we were giving up or anything like that as we had another guy to go in there and try to make plays to win the game. Oh, um, we know we got to come to work. We know we can't play like that um, in November. So um, we're going to come watch it, uh, get better from it and learn from it and start faster come next time we play. Okay, CFL today, Rough Riders home to the Argos. Saskatchewan has to win and hope Calgary loses next week to make the playoffs and then meet the Lions in the West Semi. Riders look good early. Jake Dolagala going deep, connects with Samuel Emilis. 
35-yard touchdown. Riders led by 10. They actually led by four in the final minute, but Argo backup quarterback Cameron Dukes leads the drive, capped by this Daniel Adababoya touchdown, and the Argos send the Riders to their seventh straight loss, 29-26, eliminating Sask from the playoffs. So the Lions will meet the Stampeders in the West semifinal in two weeks' time. The Rugby World Cup semi England versus South Africa. Springboks beat England in the 2019 World Cup final. England on the strength of five scoring kicks from Owen Farrell led, but in the 69th minute, R.G. Snyman bowls in for the only try of the game. South Africa within two at 15-13. Then this midfield scrum goes sideways. Penalty called against England, so advantage to South Africa. And from 49 meters out in the falling rain. Oh, with a World Cup final on the line, Andre Pollard breaks English hearts perfectly through. And South Africa win at 16-15. It'll be South Africa and New Zealand in the final next Saturday from France. English Premier League, Chelsea taking on first place Arsenal. Gunners were down 2-0 late, but Chelsea goalkeeper Robert Sanchez with a terrible giveaway. And Declan Rice makes him pay, bends that one in from 30-plus yards out. Arsenal have life down 2-1. And then seven minutes later, Bakayo Saka, tremendous ball into the box for Leandro Trossard, who nets the equalizer. Arsenal storm back for a two-all draw. They are six wins, three draws through nine matches, and they have 21 points. Meanwhile, earlier, Manchester City trying to snap a rare two-game league losing streak. Great start, seventh minute. Julian Alvarez left unmarked in the box, finds the top of the net, and it's 1-0. Manchester City in front, and then it's the big Norwegian doing it all himself. Erling Holland. it's his EPL leading ninth goal. It stood as the game winner. Man City take it 2-1. They're back on top of the standings. Tied on 21 points with Arsenal, but they have more wins, and that's the first tiebreaker. Formula One in Austin, Texas for the U.S. Grand Prix. The main race tomorrow. Sprint race today, just 19 laps. Max Verstappen on the pole looking for a record third sprint win in five sprint races this year. And just showed his quality again. Just breezing his way through the course from the front. Just a leisurely drive on a Saturday night. Not a great day for Montreal's Lance Stroll. However, he had braking issues. Had to pack it in on lap 18, so he was dead last 20th. Verstappen cruises to another victory, nearly 10 seconds better than Lewis Hamilton. Hard to believe that we won't see a repeat performance from Mad Max in the main race tomorrow in Austin, Texas. And we'll finish with some baseball. Arizona Diamondbacks hanging in there against the Phillies in the National League Championship Series. Tied 2-all with Game 5 in Phoenix tonight, but the Phillies aggressive early top first. Pull off the double steal. Bryce Harper ends up safe at home after a violent collision with catcher Gabriel Moreno, the former Blue Jay, who has been a huge part of the D-backs playoff run, he's shaken up, stayed in the game. The Phillies lead at 2-0 right now, and they are in the fifth. Busy night, and we'll have Whitecaps uh, tonight and see if they can uh, get that win and get a home playoff. Day. Yeah, that'll be great, and get an extra home. Mm -hmm. And the Canucks, as you mm. said, first win in Florida, it yeah. seems like in a year, so they'll celebrate that. That too. is a good one. Mm -hmm. Okay, All right, thanks so much, right. Barry. Well, still ahead, we'll be celebrating black businesses where we'll head to Surrey for an expo profiling black entrepreneurs. An event aimed at highlighting black-owned businesses in Metro Vancouver is underway this weekend. Now in its second year, the expo is an opportunity for business owners and community members to network. Sophia Parani reports. 
Meet Adaisy Agbakuru, owner of Mimi's Crochet Creations, and her daughter, Miss Omachukwu, who writes picture books. And when did you start writing? At the age of six. At the age of six, and you are how old now? Eleven. Eleven. And how awesome is it to be able to have your books here today so people can see what you do? Really awesome. The mother-daughter duo are part of over 50 local businesses at the Metro Vancouver Black Business Expo, where entrepreneurs of all ages can showcase their products and services and network. She's learning too because um, she has to put herself out there and she has to talk about her book. And some people go like, oh, what was the inspiration? And some people are like, oh my God, my, my kid loves to write. I'm going to love this. And, you know, she's kind of learning the whole process. The second annual event was organized by the Yoruba Social Cultural Association of BC and Surrey Board of Trade with the aim of not only giving Black-owned businesses exposure, but teaching them financial tools to help them grow. For them to be more productive, uh, for them to move from five customers to 10 customers to 100, uh, for them to move from one office to two to five to 10, for them to expand and also give back to the community. With such a positive response, the association's goal is to partner with different communities and plan more events in order to create a diverse business hub for future leaders. It's also an opportunity for us to let people know, let the world know what we do and what we are into. Yes, so it's, it's quite interesting, it's, it's quite fascinating. Do you want to be an author in full time? Is that, is that what the team is? What well, are you? I want to be a vet. Because the entrepreneurial spirit is definitely high. Safia Pirani, Global News. And she's already a writer at that young age, putting us all to shame. <laughs> a lot of kid, young kids want to be a vet. You just play with the animals. It's yeah. Fun. yeah. <laughs> Although like when they get day. sick, yeah. need, it's, the, it's the medical school that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. So <laughs> um, Weather-wise, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Eh? Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, gray this evening, maybe a few showers will pop up across the region. We will see that cloud cover for tomorrow morning and then some breaks. We will have uh, some sunshine in the mix and then a look ahead. It's Tuesday, Wednesday that we'll see the next uh, rainmaker that is going to move in for us. We didn't see the sudden balls that you used. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, they'll come back. They'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> well, we I'm hopeful for it earlier, Bear. Oh, <laughs> have a good night. <laughs>